Trevor and we are the Boo Crew. Welcome to episode 104. You are joined by Britt Barron, who stars in the latest movie in the Into the Dark series for Blumhouse and Hulu. It's called My Valentine and it's available exclusively on Hulu today. If you're listening to this at time of release. Learn all about the process behind the Into the Dark project, weaponizing music, gore, true crime, and Disneyland. Looks like the band is about to go on. Roses are red, violets are blue. This is Britt Barron hanging with the Boo Crew. <laughs> what are you doing here, Royal? You were nothing before we met. Back off, dude. Holy shit. I moved on. Hi, sweetness. I really don't see the resemblance. You registered every song I ever wrote in her name. She is the spitting image of me. This here is justice. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining the Boo Crew in the Speakeasy studio is a thrilling young actor who's entered into the art of storytelling like a sonic boom. Time stands still when you see her bring a character to life in the certain way that she does that is unique to her that makes everyone stop and wonder, who is this? There is something special here. That whimsy is exactly what earned her two SAG Award nods for her ensemble work as Justine in Netflix's Emmy-winning series, Glow. She's appeared in several other acclaimed and award-winning TV shows, including Grey's Anatomy, Lucifer, Criminal Minds, and on animated series as a voice actor, the Emmy-winning series, Young Justice. She's got some exciting projects coming up that we can't wait to talk to her about, one of which is episode five of season two of Blumhouse's horror anthology, Into the Dark. Each incredibly creative entry is inspired by a different holiday. Well, Valentine's Day is upon us, and so is My Valentine, in which she stars as pop singer Valentine. It's available exclusively on Hulu Friday, February 7th. We are honored to welcome Britt Barron. Yeah! Wow, what an intro. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. Oh my gosh, thanks for having me. No problem. Well, first of all, congratulations on everything going on right now for you. Oh, thanks. There's a lot. (laughs) It's a busy time of year, yeah, for me. (laughs) Where's your headspace at right now with all this? Uh, Just going day by day, trying to make it through. Yeah, I think it's strange to have, I don't know how it happened that I have projects coming out like <laughs> Simultaneously, Within the same yeah. week, basically. I'm like, how did I end up on two Valentine's Day movies? That's, I don't know. <laughs> that's awesome, though. So, as we said, you've got my Valentine coming out, which is so fun. I had a chance to check it out. I wanted to talk about your relationship with the horror genre, what your feelings are about horror in general as a viewer. I love thrillers. Gotcha. I love suspense. I am way too scared to watch, like, any sort of horror with ghosts, witches, uh, spirits, monsters, slasher stuff is probably my my biggest fear. Wow. I saw Saw in seventh grade and it, I mean, that was, 
I was like, why would people ever want to do this? Like, it felt like punishment. Was that the first horror movie you saw? I think was that saw? was the first. Yes. Oh, yeah. The first and the last. No, but That's a pretty hardcore first yeah, entry. It's into insane. The, yeah. I think it was the second one, actually. Okay. And we watched over Super Bowl. It was like the Super Bowl Sunday. I was at a friend's house with a bunch of other middle school kids and yeah, one of them put it on. It's terrifying. <laughs> it really is. Did I, you stick with it or did no, you? No, I, I think we watched um, maybe three quarters and then I, I, yeah, it's just so scary. Yeah. But I do love, I love suspense and I love thriller, but full on just jump scares. I'm a baby. I like. I feel like I'm. I'm. My adrenaline's running too much. Yeah. I guess that's why people love it. Sure, but right. I'm. I get genuinely terrified. <laughs> yeah, I, I. I get scared of the paranormal stuff. Oh, is, is there a thriller that you really love? Oh my gosh, I feel like there's so many. Nightcrawler, Gone Girl, The Departed, Silence of the Lambs. I love. I mean, because those aren't really. I'm not like jumping. I'm not waiting for something to pop out of a closet. I love to get out. I yeah, loved us, yep. but I don't watch any of the Blair Witch. I don't watch that stuff. I'm too, I'm too scared. And I cannot imagine watching it in theaters. That sounds like my worst nightmare. Larger I mean, than life. You, can't escape it. Right? Go to bed that night because you can't escape it. And the sound is surround and it's like, oh my God. So I'm assuming you're not a fan of like true crime stuff and all well, that I either. Do, or? The thing is, I love true crime. Really? Oh my God. True crime documentaries. I'm obsessed. What is it about it that you love? I don't know. I love, I do. I am drawn to like, I think fucked up horror events sure. that have happened, especially in real life. Right. But I think when it's, presented in a narrative that's written it's much scarier to me for some reason because i know i think it's really the jump scares and and the gore that's hard for me so those movies where you know where the music's playing and you know like somebody's walking down a hallway and you know any second someone's gonna grab her or that's where i i lose it but a documentary, it feels a lot safer. It feels like you're just kind of watching the story unfold. Right, without, a little less exploitive, I guess. Yeah, way, without right? all the effects and the music. And it's like, a, it's like watching it during the daytime, kind of. Right. <laughs> Are there any true crime cases in particular that you've been fascinated by? Oh my gosh, particular? so many. I feel like, um, what was the one, the one with the uncle on Netflix? It's like their their neighbor basically abducted their daughter and was like molesting her. Oh, and then he convinced yeah. her that aliens had abducted them. Oh, my God. I can't remember the name, but everybody was talking about that for a while. Yeah, what? because it's one of the most insane. I've watched a ton. I've watched the girl that gets abducted. They never found her, I think, in Peru. I just watched. I mean, a t- I mean, Aaron Hernandez. I just finished Casey Anthony. Like, oh, my gosh. Gosh, I remember that, that case. Going I, down. Well, I remember insane. happening, but I don't I didn't remember all of the the layers yeah of how how insane oh abducted in plain sight oh cool yeah yeah yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 did you guys see that i, I saw parts i didn't of it. see it that's yeah it. but I, everyone i, I knew saw it it's like unbelievable it keeps getting worse and you're just but i i really i mean i like that stuff but casey anthony was that was insane i remember yeah lawyer. we were we were having was it our first kid when that was going down oh too? yeah yeah so we were like really like yeah, we couldn't believe it. I couldn't even imagine. I can't believe she got off. Yeah, I know. that's the crazy thing. Yeah, but the Casey Anthony and Aaron Hernandez both had that lawyer that got them off. Aaron, oh, Jose Baez. Baez. Yeah, 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 yeah. So now I know when I murder someone, that's why I got fired. <laughs> <laughs> so what did your journey into acting look like? 
I mean, I, I started in community theater when I was young, and then I went to the University of Michigan to get a BFA in theater. And then I moved out to Los Angeles, and I started with an agent that I had met through Michigan. She was an alumni. They say it's the Michigan Mafia because it's such a <laughs> massive school and such a connected alumni network. So that was super helpful. I'm still with them for voiceovers. They just started sending me out. I moved out to L.A. with no- nothing, really. <laughs> no furniture, really. Sleeping on just a mattress on the floor. But... um I mean, I guess that's kind of how everyone has mm-hmm. to start for the most part. You got to hit the ground <laughs> running. Did um, it take uh, <laughs> longer or less time than you anticipated it might to get? Gosh, I don't even know if I ever thought it would happen. So I guess quicker than I thought sure. in a way. Glow, I think I booked, I, I had maybe been out in LA for three years, three or four years. Um, and I had done small little guest spots on TV and I had done uh, some shows in Chicago, some theater shows, but all of that even seemed like an amazing, like better than anything I had imagined. I don't know why I had such low expectations. My mom was uh, in casting in publicity in Manhattan in the eighties. And so she, I think just warned me of how like the reality. Yeah, of I mean, that. She was such a support system, but I think I was just super aware that there's no rhyme or reason why somebody is working as an actor and some it's a lot of luck. It's like 80% right place, right time and luck. So I was definitely more of the cynical, just keep at it, work hard. But I, I don't know. I never thought really I'd be making it as a profession. I double majored. I was a communications major too. I was like, maybe I'll go into casting or something. That's <laughs> awesome cool. though. That's great. That's great. So let's talk about voice acting for a second. I mean, you've been, yeah. uh, done stuff for Halo and Skylanders and different projects like that. What freedoms and challenges exist in bringing characters to life with only your voice? I love voiceover work. I think it's more, way more liberating than on screen acting because I get to play characters that I never, ever would be able to on the screen. I mean, really, it's just your voice. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what your hair and makeup is. I think it's so fun. And I do a lot of video games, which are so top secret. And they it's not like I get a script ahead of time and have lines to memorize. I get there and I'm looking at a TV screen that it's attached to the director's computer and we're just going line by line. Sometimes I have no context really at all for what I'm saying. So that's a definitely a different challenge, I think, as an actor. I think it helps me with cold reading for sure. But I like it because it doesn't matter what your face is doing. Or I feel like sometimes with TV, they're, they're especially with something like Into the Dark, this episode, Maggie Levin, our director, did an amazing job of trying to get these really specific shots whether it's like a super close-up shot of just my eyes and I have to move my head in a very specific way. And if you're one inch off, you're out of focus and the whole thing's messed up. So it's very technical. With voiceover work, I feel like you're so free. It's really just about the performance because you're just... It doesn't matter. Makeup, hair, none of that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, and you get to try it over and over again. Yeah, that's the thing. Like I was, you know, like you had said, you're creating in real time in a lot of those situations, right? In the voiceover booth, probably. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm like figuring it out as I go. And so are the directors. <laughs> I'm Oh, that sounded good. Why don't you do that again? Totally. You know, you have that different, you know, I way just, of doing things. Absolutely. I finished um, Final Fantasy VII, the yes. remake that's coming out yeah. in April. And 
that was totally different too because that's that's first done in Japan. So I would listen to the actress say the lines in Japanese, not understanding, but I have the words, the translation there. And then sometimes we'd have to figure out, okay, ignore what she did because culturally, in in Japan they'll do a lot of uh, nods, like a hmm, hmm, and we don't really do that in in American culture. Right. You just would nod along without any verbal cues. So we'd have to figure out alternative sounds that make sense, like huh, you know, instead of just a hmm, like it's just all these little subtle things that dubbing a game is taught me it's kind of cool what about like the uh the strenuous part of it especially with video games well video games in particular where you're doing a lot of like vocally strenuous activity grunts and different you know a million takes of certain things does that ever get to do you have to be careful and keep your voice in a certain shape absolutely i think i mean i'm always warming up i i don't live in the valley and everything's records in the valley so i have a hour long drive usually of me just doing vocal warm ups like a crazy person in the car. So I'm sure <laughs> yeah in traffic somebody looks over and it's like, oh my God. But um that helps. And usually directors are so seasoned in voiceover work. So they know a lot of times in a session, sessions are four hours. So they'll save all the vocally strenuous stuff till the very end. So then you leave with a really sore right. throat. But, <laughs> <laughs> but at least you don't do it, you know all in the beginning and then you can't talk the rest of the time but final (laughs) fantasy was great because there there was not that much yelling it's really wasn't that many a halo on the other hand was all like right (laughs) 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 let's talk about my valentine starting off by just explaining what the storyline basically is about yeah so it's uh it's a thriller horror-esque i think even maybe dark comedy in certain Mm -hmm. points right Mm -hmm. It takes place in this, mostly in this um, music venue, and we we open up with Valentine, who uh, I play, who's a pop star who's kind of reclaiming her own identity when we meet her, and you learn that previously she was in a relationship with this horribly abusive, I think, manipulative character who's now with a new girl, and he's kind of taken all of the music that valentine wrote her entire identity and given it to his new girlfriend treasure who's now famous kind of like an ariana grande type pop star and so valentine in the past i think two years it's been has been recovering from that and figuring out how to really just reclaim who she is and who she was and so we meet her when she's back on stage and um her ex-boyfriend and treasure the girl who's stolen all of her own music show up at the venue and things craziness ensues. <laughs> craziness ensues as it does how did you prepare for that role well it was quite intimidating because i think the music industry playing a pop star yeah. that's something that's totally foreign to me so um I talked with Maggie Levin, who's our writer and director, and she grew up in the music industry. Her father is in Peter Gabriel's band, and she spent her childhood, I think, on tour. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so she she knows that world. I think a lot of her friends are in, you know, musicians, and um, that was very helpful for me because I felt totally supported. And Keely Bumford, Keely Bumford, 
She wrote all of the music. She's one of Maggie's friends. She's phenomenal. So she was also super helpful just in terms of how do musicians even perform mic technique? How do you hold a mic? You know, uh, do you close your eyes when you're singing? All of that stuff was stuff was very helpful to me. I listened to a lot of Halsey. I think that was kind of my character. Valentine is definitely the more grounded, grittier, keeps it real version of pop star Mm -hmm. versus Mm -hmm. treasure. Who's definitely more of a, more of a produced, like a, Ariana Grande, as I said, or Taylor Swift kind of type. Right, 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 right. The story reflecting on aspects that actively happen, not only in the music business, but entertainment and also in toxic relationships in general. It's really a broad look at all that. From the trailers, people have noticed that there are certain parallels to certain artists in particular that are at the top of mind right now. And I was wondering (laughs) if you can comment on how the lines on this are blurred to be more about more than just certain situations in particular and are more inclusive of toxicity. It touches on a ton of themes, especially, I mean, within the Me Too movement, I think Mm -hmm. especially this is definitely a film that was born out of that. And I think some of Maggie's firsthand experiences, even within her own friend group, obviously, I I don't want to speak on that. I didn't write this, but uh, in speaking with her. And so, I mean, unfortunately, I think a lot of people will be able to identify with somebody that is just a toxic ex, really. I mean, obviously, these are extreme circumstances and there's murdering happening and, <laughs> and like, you know, this is obviously nonfiction, but there are themes that are super relevant today within just the relationships and, and what we've seen throughout just different manipulations of like toxic. I don't want to say men. It's not just men, but in this case, yeah. it's a man. And, and I, I was speaking earlier about how there's a moment where Treasure, because in a lot of ways, Treasure and Valentine are kind of set up as enemies, uh, which I think in the music industry, in the entertainment industry as a whole is common. Women are pinned against one another, constantly compared. I grew up reading magazines where two women who wore the same dress, you have to you know, people vote on who wore it better. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I hate that. It's by unbelievable. The way. Or the Taylor so, Swift, Katy Perry beef that went on forever. Just, and just things like that. Yeah, it's yeah. just the cons. I mean, Madonna accusing Lady Gaga of stealing. This is a, there's constant themes of like, who does it better? or Who stole who idea? Um, but there's a moment in the film that I loved where Valentine tries to convince Treasure that really they're on the same side, that they are both victims of the same man and tries to kind of work together and work as a team and ignore the fact that in a lot of ways, Treasure has ruined Valentine's life. I don't I mean, Treasure doesn't really receive what isn't really listening or hearing what Valentine's saying. But I liked that Maggie included that moment because I think it's a good reminder that we're on the same team. We don't all have to be competition. Right. So. Yeah. I noticed that about this is there's <laughs> a, as, as dark as it gets and as dark as it's set up, <laughs> there is a, there's like a empowering joy. Yeah. That goes through this that I didn't really expect. Well, in a lot of ways, I feel like, yeah, as an audience member, you're like, yeah, fuck that guy. Exactly. Like, you know, get what's yours. You, you're you rooting for Valentine. I think you definitely are in terms of, I think there's nothing more infuriating than, than seeing what has happened to her. She's been destroyed. 
destroyed by someone. Her life has been stolen. And to kind of see her reclaim her her music, her sense of self, her sense of self-worth is super gratifying. I think just even a normal breakup can really devastate anybody and where you lose a sense of yourself. So in these heightened, <laughs> yeah. crazy yeah. circumstances, it's even worse. But um, the reward, I think, is even better. <laughs> what do you think it is about using the power of genre and horror to deliver that message? Well, I think in in, in this case, the stakes got to be so high, which makes the payoff so much greater because it is life or death. And I think that was what was so fun as an actor to get to play. I don't watch a ton of horror, but I really enjoyed doing it because that's why you become an actor. I mean, you want to do all of the fun. I was, I was being chased. I'm covered in blood at points. You're crying, you're screaming, you're, you're at your wits end. I mean, these are kind of all the emotions that we keep deep down inside of us. And I think maybe only get released in real life when I'm on the 405 at 5 p.m. Sure. <laughs> you know, like I, this, this, this person lives inside, I think all women and maybe all men. And so it's fun as an actor to get the chance to kind of unleash your inner natural beast, you know? So it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> did you stick to the script or did you do any improv? <laughs> Maybe a little bit of improv. I think for the most part, we were shooting, I think we only had 16 or 17 days to wow. shoot the entire thing. Wow. Yeah. Into the Dark is a machine, man. They And it's the same crew. So they go episode oh, by episode. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's amazing. I had never done something like that where the crew is, you know, they know what they're doing and they're moving and grooving. They know all each other, everyone, and the actors come in and they're the new guys. So, um... There wasn't a ton of time to improv. It was, I mean, there was barely time to rehearse the scenes. It was kind of like we, we were block shooting, which is when, for anyone that doesn't know, when you shoot everything on one side of the camera first. So there were those big scenes in this music venue, some of them like 10, 14 page scenes that would be broken up in the script, but that we would shoot all together. So we would shoot, okay, all the cameras are facing me. We're going to do all 14 pages of these three big scenes together and then we're going to flip around and shoot on benedict so it was kind of a crazy experience as an actor there were parts where i was we weren't memorized for that day we were moving so quickly they're like wow. right, can you just jump in i'm like oh my god that's wild it was really it was wow. a good um it was a really good exercise yeah. i feel like i'm like my acting muscles are stronger because of it Oh my god! I wasn't aware that they used the same crew for a lot of the Into yeah, the Dark stuff. They're it's still crazy. doing it. It's awesome. And the, but the interesting thing is, each episode or film in the series looks and feels entirely different. I mean, there's a yeah. completely different sheen. So you know, kudos to the crew, right, for being able to readjust and let the creators have their stamp on on that machine that's already kind of in place, right? Like we're talking about, it was a Gigi Guerrero and Chelsea Stardust and Sophie Tacall and now Maggie. Like there's so many different creators that get to have their, their world created in this. Right. I mean, and I don't want to speak on behalf of the crew, but I think that when I was there, I was talking with them about how it's kind of in a lot of ways, such a cool dream job because a, you have stable work for almost the entire yeah. year and B, 
it's not monotonous. It's not like a a courtroom procedural where you're in the same courthouse every single day for 24 episodes. I mean, everything is changing each episode. It's completely different looks. So I think where I was saying it was a hard, it was hard as an actor and a good exercise. I'm sure it's really exciting for everyone doing like lighting and hair and everything. It's because you have to step outside your comfort zone. Definitely with different directors coming in and different visions. Yeah. Talking about the vision that Maggie has coming from that crazy musical background. She has lit this thing up with neon. (laughs) All the costumes look crazy. And then there's also like a real stylistic voice that she has. Things kind of it's almost set up like a graphic novel, right? There's panels that you see. There's things drawn on top of actors. Is it really unique? Oh, I haven't seen. Okay, so I actually haven't yeah, seen it yet. Yeah. I didn't know that they did that. There's all sorts of it's got a real distinct voice and it looks like candy. Like it like it looks like candy. Okay. And uh, yeah. Wow. Well, Maggie definitely has an aesthetic. Right. Which definitely played into this. I mean, the lighting was always very specific. The shots were so specific. I know there were even subtle things we were doing, like shooting Benedict in the first half of the film from below so that he takes up a huge part of the frame and looks big and menacing and then shooting me from above. So I look tiny and scared and meek. And then by the end, I think after You know, or halfway through, it's kind of switched where they're shooting Valentine from below and making her look big as she starts to figure out, you know what, fuck this. I'm going to I'm going to fight for my life. Um, There were just a lot of subtle things like that. There was a fun I'm running down a hallway at one point and we did a total 360 with the camera, which I had never seen done before. And there were just really fun, very, very specific shots and the whole aesthetic was very specific and maggie i think had that vision from before we started shooting obviously which is helpful because there's no time to figure it out on the go but she knew like the long blue wigs that was in the script and everything was very very specific and i think for a project like into the dark where there's a new episode every month it's cool to have something that's a really clear aesthetic, clear sure. vibe. Uh, the audience can, I think, jump right in and know and understand, okay, what is this mood and what's, you know, how is the story being told? That's so cool. Yeah, there's one scene in particular where you're like back to back with treasure and then one of you gets swiped off the screen to one side and like there's a lot of oh cool. Oh my God, I haven't seen any There's of a that. really cool shit going on. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, let's talk about what you did see, obviously, being there, the script that Maggie wrote. And there's there's a real energy in the way that she uses words and the way that she forms sentences, the way the characters speak. How do you think the way that she chooses to say the things that she says informed your performance? I th- I loved Maggie's writing. I loved the script from the moment I read it. And Maggie was so cool. I love working with writers that are on set. And it was great that she was also directing it because anything that any questions I had, she's right there to answer them. Anything that I feel like sometimes there's just wording that I'm like, I would never say something like this. It's very hard for me to make this just these few word choices sound right. And she's like, all right, let's, you know, change it to whatever. She was very collaborative, very open to any sort of changes, dialogue, explaining anything. And I feel like a lot of it is conversational where it's easy for an actor but also very specific um and almost musical in Mm. certain ways like the scene where i am talking to treasure and saying you know 
listen, we're on the same, he, he, we're both his victims. We could leave right now. And she, it was all this very, very specific dialogue and she blocked it in a way. It was like a dance. I'm following her to the right. We're kind of circling each other. Now we stop on this line. Now we move back towards the left and the camera was very specific. So I think in terms of, it goes back to Maggie's aesthetic almost like everything is very, very specific, which I think really helps, especially in, in this kind of genre. It really elevates the story because just shot like any other movie, it wouldn't it wouldn't be the same. I think it's kind of fun to do crazy, crazy close ups or mm. weird angles or kind of fun lighting. It makes it like enjoyable. And, and, and there are even moments that are funny within this, which is. I, th- I think much needed <laughs> in any horror thriller movie. Were there any scenes that were a challenge to film? Oh my God. All of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> coming from glow, this was a major uh, adjustment because yeah. I think the first week we shot all of the stuff with Benedict and I, where he's just coming at me and attacking me. And emotionally, that's such a dark place to be be in so i was listening to a ton of music on set it stunk because you want to be joking around and having fun with all your new cast members and getting to know each other but i feel like for the most part benedict and i were always off on our own listening to music being emo Um, because that stuff is really hard to jump in and out of and it was funny because we shot up in simi valley in the summer, basically, it's like 100 degrees outside, so bright. But then you go into this dark, there's no windows in this place. It's like, it was such a, it was a really fun experience. It's funny that you mentioned that you went and listened to music because, you know, when you go back to your preparation for discovering Justine for your work on Glow, you had mentioned it It was through music. You would listen to the Runaways and uh, yeah. read punk rock books and stuff like that. And then obviously we, we've got music here again and, and going off to the side listening to music. What is your relationship like with music? You know, it's funny because I would never say I'm any sort of music geek or that I listen to music any more than the average person. But I think when preparing for a role, it's kind of the one thing that will immediately help me get into the mindset that I need to be in. I think it's why I said narrative written, written thrillers are so scary to me because music I think plays such a major role in the emotion that you're feeling in a suspenseful scene when somebody's walking down a hall and the music is crescendoing that really, that gets my heartbeat going. So for me personally, it's really helpful to just get into that mood. And I think when you're on a film or TV set, I come from the theater, which is totally different. I mean, when, when the curtain goes up, the train has left the station, everyone's quiet backstage. There's no goofing around. And you just follow that storyline from start to finish. But with TV, it's so stop and go. You'll shoot, you know, okay, Benedict's close up. And now we have to wait 35 minutes while the cameras move and everything gets relit. So in in a genre like this, it's hard for me to go to over to Crafty and be joking around and then come back 35 minutes later and be like, all right, and now cry. Um, so music for me has really been helpful, and especially for something like playing a pop star. Sure, sure. <laughs> also really fun to see in terms of how this is set up is not only how the music is kind of a weapon, 
in this, but the gear which we create music with is also weaponized, yeah. which is really neat to see. <laughs> yeah, that was in the script. Very creative uses so, of yeah. guitar strings and patch chords and everything, yeah. right? And I mean, deaths are are the way people die is pretty important, right? Within, yes. Uh, within any you know these kind of movies where the more creative and it should build, and uh, I thought they were brilliant and i i mean i'm i'm curious to see what it looks like with all the the special effects but shooting some of the stuff i don't want to spoil but shooting some of the stuff with the sparks was yeah. like so crazy cool it was unbelievable it looked amazing i think it's so perfect for the world too that maggie created it really fits in this fantasy kind of glitter pop star nightmare <laughs> That's a great way to put it. That's a great way Definitely. to put it. The End of the Dark series, as we've been talking about, has become a real launching pad for the future of horror, empowering filmmakers who are being passed, some of them as the emerging creators in, in the genre. Like I'd mentioned, Gigi Guerrero and Chelsea Stardust, Afita Call, and, and now Maggie. What are your thoughts on the importance of what both Blumhouse and Hulu are achieving and contributing to with this particular project, with the Into the Dark project. I mean, I think this is an amazing project for filmmakers, for actors, for anyone behind the camera. Like producing full-fledged movies every month and giving up-and-coming filmmakers a chance is so amazing. And this is on such a professional platform with a real budget and and really professional people working on at all levels. So I, I think it's a really amazing opportunity for everyone from, you know, seriously from gaffers to directors and writers. And I was excited to get to be a part of this. And I think, I mean, what a cool challenge to get to make a whole, to shoot a whole movie in 16, maybe 17 days. I, I mean, it's a really great, it was a great, challenge that excited me and scared me deeply um and it was such hard work and i was exhausted but it was so rewarding and i'm i'm excited because i feel like in a lot of ways movies have been dying because of streaming so i think it's really cool of hulu and plumhouse to have created this opportunity for a different movie to come out that's a completely different style that's a completely different story a different look a different aesthetic every month it's fun for the viewers and the fans of into the dark because you never really know what you're going to get and you get to watch it from your couch but it's still like um you know <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> in la no, it's like 18 dollars to a <laughs> ticket to the movie so and you got to make you got to make a music video Oh my gosh, that was so cool. Um, I I joke with Maggie that she forced me to face all of my fears in this singing, performing. So is that um, your actual voice? No, no, that's Keely's voice who who wrote the music. Okay, yeah. Rehearsed with me and was I called her my stage mom. She was off to the side of the camera. Oh, like, wow. Helping me with certain cues of when to push certain buttons in that first song. Yeah. But I had to actually sing it because Maggie was like, it looks so dumb when you lip sing. And, sure. and Keely's a, a, a musician. So she was like, I don't, it, I, I guess in one of her music videos, they had lips, they were lip singing and she said it looked so silly. So they made me actually sing it, <laughs> <laughs> which is fine because then I had to really learn the music. Right. But 
I was, there were a bunch of background people there that day. The whole crew was there. I'm like so embarrassed. But there's no time. Yeah. I mean, again, we were on such a time crunch. So there's really no luxury of like, oh, I'll take a few takes where I'm not really fully committing and then I'll warm myself up into this. It's like, no, I have to. She is a pop star. She has to sell this. I, ha- I mean, I have to sell this as an actor. So... And I'm terrified of heights. And Maggie had me hanging off a building at one point. I'm like, Maggie, you just like. <laughs> That's <laughs> wow. You know conquering what? All those yeah, fears. it's it was really good. I'd rather it was exciting to do something like that because it forced me out of my comfort zone big time. <laughs> do you ever do you never do karaoke or anything like oh, that? You know, our our rap party was karaoke. And oh, I yes. did not sing at all. Really? <laughs> oh, I get up there. I'm like, I have sang enough Valentine in front of you people. Fox. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering if they had like a special screening party at the hotel cafe where you had to like perform acoustically or something that'd My probably be the nightmare. scariest right <laughs> that's a thriller yeah that's horror for me <laughs> so tell us all the cool stuff that you got coming up i mean right around this time you've got a show on freeform well a movie right for free yeah the thing about harry comes out february 15th oh, on gotcha. okay. freeform and hulu also on <laughs> hulu somehow and that's like totally different that's a rom-com it's a queer rom-com about two boys two young men falling in love and I, I also am in a crazy wig for that purple hair wow. I was like what happened this year where I'm in a wig for everything I do Justine season three I was in a wig I'm like this is crazy but that was a nice relief after the dark dark hole I was in coming out of into the dark so, so that was uh yeah that's a fun really feel good rom-com so if you finish the scary my valentine and need to pick me up the thing about Harry uh is yeah February fifteenth, so the next weekend, which is crazy. Wow, back to back Valentine's Barry. Day. Yeah, right. <laughs> you returning for Glow? Season yeah. Four? Well, I mean, I don't know what's announced, but season four, yeah, we pick up in March. Very cool. So it's so our final season. Wow. Yeah, I know it's so sad, <laughs> but I'm really, I'm so happy that we know it's the final season because I think we have some of the best writers our showrunners Liz Flayhive and Carly Mensch are unbelievable and I'm so happy that we get the chance to do the characters justice and figure out how where all these women end up I mean it's been such a journey especially for my I mean I started such a crazy little meek punk rock teenager and I've ended up as like a, a young woman who's found her own voice within the screenwriting world and it's such a it's been such a wild journey I know there are like 14 women yeah. in the cast <laughs> and that's so amazing how did it make you feel to be part of this amazing sort of feminist show going into it I was truly terrified because 14 15 women sounded like my mind oh my gosh it's going to be so in kind of what i was saying the stereotype that we're always pinned against each other that women are each other's competition especially in this industry so i was so nervous about that it was my first big tv gig but we train we do our own wrestling so we train together and we trained together before the season one before we started shooting and i realized so quickly that i mean it's not like that at all We are truly a family. They are my sisters. And I don't know if it's because Carly and Liz did such an amazing job of finding. I don't I think we all complement each other in different ways. We're all so different and we blend together like a we fit together like a puzzle. I don't. But 
I think also the fact that our show forces us to physically be in each other's armpits and trusting one another to not break each other's right. necks. I mean, yeah. truly, there's there's moves that we're learning where I'm lifting somebody else up. Not that I wrestle now anyways, but I can do this. You know, you're lifting somebody else up and you're falling on your backs and you're hoping to God I don't break this person's neck. And I think that level of trust I assume is what made us so close so quickly because I think it's a weird it's strange how close we are we're like sh- singing and dancing and there's been streaking and there's it's, just <laughs> great, it's really a fun it's like camp it's like truly like camp <laughs> what was it like training for those stunts I mean that's just oh. crazy it is so fun. Uh, another thing, I'm always such a scaredy cat going. It's. I feel like I go into every project thinking I can't do it. And then you learn. You, you, we don't, at least for me, I do not trust my own worth or, or my own abilities. And so wrestling is the perfect example. I was so scared. And Chavo Guerrero Jr., who's our trainer, he's unbelievable. He's so kind and so encouraging. And it's truly amazing what I have what we all have been able to do with our own bodies and he can teach anyone. It's really because it's a bunch of women, all different ages, all different sizes. And we're figuring out what moves work best with us and they work to our abilities. I'm pretty tall. So there were certain moves that they knew, okay, this is great. You can jump up and leap over someone because I have the height versus, especially if I'm paired with someone who's, you know, shorter. And so they, they work to our strengths. Um, and learning wrestling has actually been so empowering because I don't think any of us thought we could do it. <laughs> so, and none of us knew how to wrestle except Kia Stevens, who's awesome Kong. She's a professional. <laughs> but besides Kia, we were all brand, brand new. That's so cool. Oh, very fun. So many things to look forward to Mm-mm. from Britt. That's amazing. Got any more uh, questions? Are we I just want to know your favorite Disneyland ride. Oh, good question. Oh my gosh. That is so hard. Disneyland or Disney World? Disneyland? I mean, Disneyland. it's close. Okay. Wow. That's so hard. Like, what's the first ride you go to? Like, <sighs> hmm. Yeah, but I'm so strategic about the lines. See, yeah, you gotta I, be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I would say, like, top three would be Soren, uh, Space Mountain, Indiana Jones, and my and my runner-up is Haunted Mansion, but when it's the Halloween Christmas yeah, time. You know, the Jack Skellington yeah, and all that stuff. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I couldn't pick one. Yeah, so good. What about Disney? We've never been to Disney World, believe it or not. We're what? Huge, yeah, we're Disney know. nerds and we've not been to Disney World. <gasps> what oh, about Disney the, World? Oh my God, Dinosaur. Dinosaur and Animal Kingdom. I actually haven't been since they did the um, Avatar Okay. Land, but uh, I grew up on the East Coast, so everyone on the East Coast goes down to Florida on spring yeah. break. They don't go all the way out, you know, to the West Coast. So I grew up going there every spring break, basically. My dad still complains. He's like, we haven't seen the world, but we've wasted so much money at Disney <laughs> to World. Disney World, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, I, lo- I think that's why I still go to Disneyland. I love it because it reminds me of being a kid. But Disney World is like... I love Disneyland because it's so close and convenient, but you guys got it. You guys definitely have to go. <laughs> it's insane to me that you haven't gone because it's like Disneyland, but times a thousand. It is so well done. I mean, you know how in Pirates of the Caribbean and Disneyland, you have to like, you're in the basically the walkway because they didn't build enough room for the line. Sure. Yeah. I mean, everything is just, they learned so much, I think, oh, okay. building gotcha. Disneyland. So Disney World is just 
you know, it's it's bigger pathways. It's there's there's more room inside while you stand in line. Everything's kind of the next level up. Okay, oh, have you been to Disneyland Paris or yes, Shanghai? Yes. Oh my gosh. I went to Disneyland Paris uh, maybe a year and a half ago. <laughs> also another embarrassing thing that I did. <laughs> People are like, you go to Paris. We were there for a while though, but yes, we fit in a Disneyland trip. Disneyland there is Thunder Mountain there was you go under the water the the actual ride is on this little island, but you you get on the train on the mainland and then you go under this tunnel under the water what? in the pitch black. So it feels like you're going 100 miles per hour. It feels like you're going so fast. I'm sure it's not that fast, but because you have no sense of your surroundings and everything's echoing and then it, it's crazy and space mountain goes upside down there it was the space mountain was blew my mind whoa yeah it's that's also and the castle is so gorgeous I, disneyland's amazing but the castle is you guys got to go to disney world yeah. and you'll see what i'm saying what? i can't believe <laughs> I, know. I mean i guess listeners can't see your house but you guys like are definitely big fans i right? know Come on. It, it just scares me to take four kids that's it that's oh, really what yeah, it is yeah, i yeah. think and that's what's stopping us like, the kids right they're just, little keep having babies keep having babies and then <laughs> I mean, a baby on a floor. That, no them. no no i would not want to take a baby i don't i don't think we started going until i was in third or fourth grade sure, that's maybe a good, yeah. Sweet spot. Where, yeah where i'm old enough to understand what's happening yeah. and and my mom says though that they took me too young and that they ruined my brother and i that they took us to um museums afterwards and we would look at you know, we'd be like, why is that dinosaur not moving? Right. <laughs> she's like, she's like, I wish I'd waited longer. But definitely babies. It's nah, that's yeah. too, when I see people with babies there. I'm like, God bless you. <laughs> like, how do you do yeah, it? I know. I know. <laughs> All right. Well, Britt, thank you so much for being here with us. So into the dark, my Valentine, Friday, February 7th on Hulu. The thing about Harry on Freeform, February 15th. Go consume some Brit projects because there are many. <laughs> and then we got Glow Season 4. We got Final Fantasy coming up. Uh, Final Fantasy 7, the remake. So much stuff. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you Thank so much. Yeah, this was so amazing. <laughs> you guys are so nice. That was a Boo Crew Podcast Episode 104. Special thanks to our guest, Britt Barron. Follow her on Instagram and Twitter at Britt Barron and watch her in Into the Dark, My Valentine, exclusively on Hulu now if you're listening to this at time of release. Production tracks for this episode provide by Power Man 5000. Till next time, it's the Boo Crew saying sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand. Chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation. Part of the bloody disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. A bloody disgusting podcast network. Home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews. SCP archives. Weekly full cast storytelling. Horror queers. Genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective. And creepy. For disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.